It's good to be back in Colorado. I was saying to the 830, 8.30 crowd, you are the committed ones. I mean, they were here at 8.30 in that snow, and uh, well, good on them, but it's great to see you all. And uh, well, uh, that building across the road is just such an essential part of our future, and you know that, and we're excited. Just so you know that faith, love, hope, what it stands for is that faith dares to believe God, giving is the action of love, and hope shouts, it's not over, you have a future. And that's why we call it Faith, Love, Hope Season. We get to celebrate our victories as a church here and around the world. And then we invest into the future uh, of seeing what God wants to do in us and through us. So we celebrate right through that season. It's a time to stretch ourselves uh, for our Faith, Love, Hope Season this year. I was feeling that um, we should probably, we, we give generously every year. And, um, and I felt God prompt me to give a little bit more than we should. So I made the mistake of going to my wife to just say, hey, I think we should give extra. I'm thinking maybe double. Um, and she says, yeah, I'm feeling the same thing. And uh, she said, I think we should give 600% more. So it was an expensive faith, love, hope season for us. <laughs> and uh, I've been doing this for a really long time. And the one thing I can, that it's proven to me over and over and over again, you never lose money by giving to God. You never get poorer by giving to God. I actually think it's a pathway to blessing and increase. And uh, you, you can get poorer a lot of ways. You can get poor with bad money management. If you don't manage your money, you'll be poorer. If you have no control with a credit card, you'll be poorer. So, but giving, be assured, giving will never, ever, ever make you poorer. As a matter of fact, uh, Lee's credit card got stolen recently and... Um, and people said, did you report it to the authorities? And I, I said, no, I, I let the thief keep it. He spends less than Lee does. <laughs> Just kidding. It's not real. People are going, I can't believe you'd do that. <clears throat> um, but I want to speak to you on, I think, just a significant subject, and it's called generosity, the pathway to influence, pathway to influence. And I think it's generosity is the most underrated spiritual weapon that we have in our arsenal. We, we, we know the Word of God. We know the name of Jesus. We understand prayer and prophecy, but very few see the power of generosity from a spiritual uh, connection and the way it outworks. So I want to speak to you about that. Let's start by looking at the book of Mark. Oh, sorry, book of Mark. Mark, chapter 16, verse 17, y'all. And these signs will follow those who believe. And these signs will follow those who who believe. The rest of the passage is outstanding, but we're going to leave it right there because that's what I want to speak to you on this morning is these signs shall follow those who believe. Let me say up front is whatever you believe, the signs of your believing follow you. Whatever you believe. So I can tell you what you believe, not by what you say, but the signs following your world. I can tell you what you believe about marriage, about church, about spirituality, about the things of God, not by what you confess, but by the signs that are following you. So I know this, that if I want to change an outer reality, a sign, I've first got to change an inner belief system. 
That's why the Bible speaks so much about believing. And believing is not just changing your mind, it's about changing your heart. And when you believe in your heart, you change your thinking, and then you start to see the signs around you start to change. I know this, in life, you don't get what you want, you get what you believe. You don't get what you want, you get what you believe. Right believing equals right signs, all right? So if we want to get the right signs around our lives, we can look at our believing. So today I want to speak to you about generosity believing, because generosity is the pathway to influence, breakthrough, and blessing. Generosity is the pathway to influence, breakthrough, and blessing. God so loved the world that He gave. All right, there it is, right there. That's how powerful spirit, that's how powerful generosity is. God so loved the world that He gave, and in His gift, He gave us salvation for eternity. That's how powerful generosity becomes. So incredible, incredible generosity has huge impact spiritually and on our lives and as, in, as individuals. And I believe this, that our lives should be a reflection of God's ways. In other words, we should have a lifestyle of intentional, purposeful giving. Not just, not just a mad, emotional moment of compassion, which is wonderful, but a lifestyle of generosity. Because out of that, you will change the world in you and around you. God is generous to the core. He is and He has a generous spirit. Did you realise the reason we've got breath in our lungs and the planet stay in place is because of the generosity of God? If God withdrew His generosity, everything would crumble and die. Psalm 51 verse 12 puts it like this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me, this is David reaching out to God, and uphold me by your generous spirit. God upholds us, He keeps us in place, He restores us through His generosity. You will notice that God is not life limited, He's life eternal. He's not life miserable, He's life abundant. He's not El Cheapo, He's El Shaddai. Everything about God is about the generous spirit of who He is and what He brings to the table. Let me explain it even, make it even clearer. Now, Jesus has been on the planet 30-something years. He gets anointed in the, uh, the river by, uh, baptised in the river of John. The Holy Ghost comes upon Him, the Bible says, and now He's ready for ministry. God is going to show the world who He is through Jesus. Think about this. Now, the first miracle that Jesus does to show the world who God is and what God is like is not a healing miracle. It's not a deliverance miracle. It's a generosity miracle. I find that fascinating. Here I am. I'm going to show the world who I am. And the first thing I do is not heal the sick, not deliver somebody of a demon. I'm going to show you who I am, that I care for you through generosity. And if you know the first miracle, this is it. Jesus goes to his friend's wedding. They run out of wine. Remember the story? Now we're in a situation, they've got no wine. The host is feeling terrible. They've run out of wine. They don't know what to do. They go to Mary. Mary says, get Jesus involved and uh, Jesus will fix the situation. You know the story, they bring him a whole bunch of water and Jesus speaks to it and he turns it to wine. Why that miracle? Why that one? Because God wants to show him to humanity, uh, him, he is the most generous being that you could ever come across. He cares for you, he looks after you, your future's important to him. And it's not average wine. God could never do average wine. So he makes the most expensive wine possible. 
And it's funny because at most weddings, they use the good wine up front, and after people have had a few, they get the pretty cheap wine out. But this was different. They said, I can't believe it. You've left the best wine till last. And I don't know if they drank it all my thinking or theology, and I can't prove it, is that good wine was so much left, they sold it the next day, and the new married couple bought a house, but I can't prove it. (laughs) Ah, Then, within moments of that, Jesus is feeding 5,000 people with a couple of loaves and a few fish. He's showing the world not just He is a healing God, but He is a caring God. And every part of your world is important to Him. And even after He feeds 5,000 people, plus women and children, so there's probably a lot more, they still collect 12 basketfuls of food that were not eaten after everybody had their fill. What does that tell you about God? He can't help Himself. He's generous to the core. And I believe great Christianity is characterised by great generosity. It's our, our pathway to influence, breakthrough, and blessing. One of my favourite scriptures in the Bible is Isaiah 32, verse 8. And it says this, But a generous man devises generous things, and by his generosity he shall stand. Like I opened with, the generosity is a spiritual weapon. By his generosity, he shall push back darkness. By his generosity, he shall stand. By his generosity, he shall overcome. But the first part of it, he devises generous plans. So a generous person has got a spirit of generosity. Generosity is not an action, it's an attitude of the heart. It might outwork in an action, but it starts in here. Generous people plan generously. They're considering how they're going to be generous. They, uh, they live a lifestyle of generosity and it's generous in all sorts of ways. You know, you can be generous with a smile and who knows a smile doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. Just inform your face every now and then. <laughs> you, can be, you can be generous with encouragement. I mean, nice thoughts are great, for pe- great about people, but words really make it a powerful thing. Tell some, be generous with your encouragement. Be generous in being a helping hand, serving God's purposes and giving of our finances. It's an attitude of how I can make a difference and how the world can be a better place. And you know what I found? There is always an opportunity to be generous. The question is, are you ready? Are you planned? Have you devised? Are you ready to be generous? Do you live in a place where you're thinking about what difference I can make in somebody's life? I carry extra money in my wallet just so I planned to be generous at the right time. I don't want to miss the hand of God. I remember uh, at church one Sunday, um, I met this family coming in. There was a young boy, maybe five or six, and I, and I bent down and said, how you doing, buddy? And we shook hands and uh, he said, I said, Pastor Mark, he said, um, my tooth's fallen out. And uh, he, was, he was smiling. He said, uh, the tooth fairy is going to give me $2 for that tooth. Do you all have tooth fairies in Colorado? Some of you aren't sure how to answer that. No, we know they're not real. It's okay. Uh, and, uh, and I looked at him and I thought, oh, okay. And I'm, then all of a sudden I went, you know what? I'm never, never am I going to be beaten by a tooth fairy. <laughs> so I looked back at him and said, tell you what, I'll give you $20 for your tooth. He looked back at me with the biggest gummiest smile you've ever seen. He doesn't give a rip about tooth fairies anymore. And they're tight, stingy, and a waste of time. He's the house of God is where the blessing is. He was my disciple. He dragged his parents to church. 
Man, what a, what a, 20 bucks. What a deal. I want to tell you, generosity has power and it brings influence and it provides pathways. He went home, no, he went home that afternoon and he renamed his teddy bear to Pastor Mark. <laughs> what greater achievement can any leader ever have presented to them than a teddy bear named after them? 20 bucks, well actually, it cost me over $400. The word got out. <laughs> and I had lines of kids with their teeth. <laughs> it actually cost over $400 and I still have a jar of teeth in my office. But anyway, <coughs> the point is, generous people make plans. They devise plans to be generous. They're looking for opportunities to be generous. Uh, generous people pray generously. So it's, it's, not a, it's not an action, it's a heart. They, they worship generously. They encourage generously. I mean, a generous crowd responds to great preaching. I mean, a generous crowd responds because it's not an action, it's an attitude of the heart. So I'm going to look at two major characteristics today of a generous spirit. Number one, a generous spirit sees possibility. They see the world differently. They see through different eyes. Generous people are optimists. You know what I mean? They see possibility. They're faith people. They see new beginnings. Others see impossibility at ends, but generous people don't see walls. They see doors. They don't see it too high. They see stepping stones. They're not discouraged or thrown by setbacks or problems or giants. To them, they're things to be overcome because God is with them. Generous people see the world differently. Winston Churchill, who was the uh, great Prime Minister of England during World War II that led them through the United States to overcome that terrible tragedy back in the day. He was known for his great speeches and he's such a great orator. I mean, his most famous speech, if you remember, was never, never, never. Never, 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 never give up. That was his most famous speech. He was also known for his quick witness. One time a lady came up to him and said, Mr. Churchill, you're drunk. He said, Madam, and you're ugly. But I will be sober in the morning. <laughs> Another time, a lady called and said, Mr. Churchill, if I was your wife, I'd put poison in your tea. Turned and said, Madam, if I was your husband, I'd drink it. <laughs> but where I'm getting to, what he did say in connection to what we're speaking about was he said this, you make a living by what you get, you make a life by what you give. You make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. People that have a generous spirit <clears throat> have the ability to rejoice in what they do have rather than complain about what they don't have. And unfortunately, I think too many people are pondering on what they're not and what they don't have rather than understanding what they do have is enough if it's used correctly. It doesn't matter how small it is. 
the, the Bible says you just need a seed, the side of a mustard, faith, the side of a mustard seed. You've got enough faith. So it's not that we don't have or do have. And what people with a generous spirit say, you know what, whatever I, whoever I am and whatever I got is enough. And if I use it correctly and smart and wise and under God, it will take me to the next level. People that don't are not generous in their spiritual thing. I don't have this, I can't do that. Why do I do that? No, 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 no. Don't worry about what you don't have. Look at what you do have and allow God to do something with it. So we're too busy looking what we don't rather than understand. And this is what God does. He, he, he brings something into our hearts and says, generous people see what they have differently. Like a, I've got a big staff and I know a lot of them, uh, what they get paid and, and a whole bunch of them get paid the same amount and yet some prosper and some don't. So it's not the amount they get, it's all about what you do with what you have. That's the key right here. Listen to what it says in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, just so I, I show you all this. And as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, all right? And His divine, listen, it does not say has going to give us all things, it doesn't say He's going to. He says His power has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Everything you need, you already have. And people with a generous spirit see that as enough. If I do it under God, I can go to the next place in Him. We're given enough to prosper. We're given enough to do well. We're given enough to increase, to overcome, to influence. It's just a matter of what we do with it. And that's why generosity is a pathway to blessing, breakthrough and influence. It's what we do with it. Generous people see what they have and know that if it's sown, if it's invested into God's purposes, then the result will be increase and breakthrough. They know if it's kept, if it's buried, not planted, it loses value and has no power. So a generous spirit's always looking for opportunity. See God move in their life. You know, um, let me explain how that works. You see what you look for and you look for what is important to you. You see what you look for and you look for what is important to you. In other words, if you like coffee shops, you're going to see coffee shops. Amen. Other people just walk straight past them. Ladies, if you like shoe shops, you will see shoe shops. Not that you can miss them, they're everywhere. The point is, you look for what's what you look for, what you look for is what's important to you. That's what you see. I remember speaking in a church in New Zealand and um, we're preaching and after the service, said, what do you want it to eat? And um, I said, well, I actually like Japanese food, you know, sushi and sashimi. I I'd love to have that if we can. And he said, you know what, I've been here 10 years. I can't think of one Japanese restaurant in the whole area. I said, look, it doesn't matter. I'm happy to eat anywhere. We're driving out of the church and right across the road is a Japanese restaurant. I said, there's one right here. He says, I've been here 10 years and never seen that restaurant. Why? Because you see what you look for and you look for what's important to you. And if you're a generous soul, you see opportunity to be generous because that's what you're looking for because that's important to you. You see opportunity to be and live like that. <clears throat> generous people believe, so they look and find opportunity. They see possibility for they understand, for with God, nothing is impossible. The second thing about generosity or a generous person, the generous spirit sees beyond itself. Sees beyond itself. 
Uh, and it's not, the Bible never talks about thinking uh, of ourselves less. It just thinks, talks about thinking less of ourselves or uh, the other way around. Anyway, thinking less. <laughs> In other words, there's this concept that we've got to be believers that understand that it's not just about us, that it's always about us. And, and I don't want to upset anybody here today. And it's not just about you. It's always about you and somebody else. You know, when you get saved, it's not just to get you to heaven. Jesus said, go and not, he didn't say go and make decisions of all nations. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. A decision gets you to heaven. A disciple helps somebody else get there. When you get healed, it wasn't just that God loved you. He wants you now to bring faith and hope to the people around you that they can make it through their journey as well. Everything God does is never, we're blessed to be a blessing. It's the same principle. And generous people understand this. They see beyond themselves. They see others. They see the future. They invest into both. Generous people know that what they give is never lost. They understand whatever they give leaves their present, ends up in their future multiplied, and on the way through it changes a whole bunch of lives. They see beyond themselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says this. Now may He, God, is capital H, so God supplies our seed to the sower and our bread for food. Let Him supply and multiply the seed you've sown. You've got to sow to multiply and increase the fruits of your righteousness. That's not just money, it's every part of our lives. But it's important that we see that everything in life has a seed and bread component. So God gives us seed to sow and bread to eat. If I had a, a, a watermelon up here and, and I cut it in half and I showed you the inside, you'd see the red flesh. And if I could find not a genetically modified one, it would have black seeds. Remember the watermelons with seeds? They used to have seeds in them. And, and if I was asked what's more important, the, the red flesh or the black seeds, uh, people feeling hungry would say the red flesh, um, and others would tell you, oh, the seeds. And yet, I want to tell you, as far as I can tell by that scripture, both are important. God gives us bread to eat and seeds to sow. So the bread sustains you today, the flesh sustains you today, but if you don't sow the seeds, you've got no watermelons for tomorrow. So both are important. So God doesn't want our bread. He doesn't want all your time. He doesn't want all your gifts and talents. He doesn't want all your money. He knows you need that to make a living, to do what you need to do, to look after your family, to prosper in the whole thing. He said, I don't want your bread. He just said, sow your seed. And the saddest thing believers can do is eat their seed rather than sow their seed. So that's important. Not after everything. God just wants the seed of our lives because then when it's sown, then He can multiply it for our own benefit. Our responsibility is to invest in the new for the sake of the future, for the next generation. And uh, I mean, how sad if all that we did stopped right here with this generation. I know some of you are with me. We're, in the, we're deep into the second half. We're deep in the second half. And I, I don't deny my age. It does not define me. But I do understand that there is an end date to everything. And I know where I am in this journey called life. And I've got a lot to do because I want to make the next generation's man mission so much easier than our mission was. I want to invest and make sure we've got this church set up for generation upon generation upon generation. And I understand, we live in crazy times. Is it just me or has the world gone mad? It's gone mad. I mean, man, we live in days where there's wars and rumours of wars. We live in days where things that were once right are now wrong and things that were once wrong are now right. 
We live in incredible days. And I want to tell you right now, I don't know of any other time in my being alive where the church needs to stand up and shine the brightest that it ever has been because no one else has the answers. Man has been destroying him for 6,000 years and beyond. They can't do it without God. It doesn't matter what political system they have. They don't understand what technology they have, what narrative they put out there. Jesus is the only hope for mankind and beyond. And when the world gets darker, God lights it up and a revival spirit happens. That's why we need a new building. Not for the ones here, but for the ones that are coming. We are ready for moving of God. When it gets darker, it gets lighter. Sorry, back to the message. When I um, arrived at our church at, um, in Brisbane 2000, uh, 20, 23 years ago, it was a big empty building, not a lot of people there, and, and it didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> and, um, and, and people, they came, but it's hot in Brisbane. I mean, it gets hot. And um, people, came, believers came, but they never brought their friends. And, and, and the reason they didn't bring their friends is because they wanted to keep them as their friends. <laughs> because if they brought the church, they would melt under the seat with their eyeballs bugging out. It was that hot. And so I said, we've got to put in air conditioning. You know, we had bulletins back then. Remember church bulletins? It wasn't to read. It was to cool yourself down. It was that hot. No one read them. It was just, oh, God. And so I said, we've got to have an air conditioner in here. And, and the thing about this new building, and, you know, like, well, we're okay. Yeah, we are, but uh, we, we're, we're not where God wants us to be yet. You're going to see an increase of souls coming to this place you've, like you've never seen before. And I suppose the air conditioning about it wasn't about the people, the believers, it was about people that need to be here. You're not bringing them, they can't come. We, people can't fit in this building anymore. We've got, to, we've got to expand. And I told the church this, and I call it architectural evangelism. That means creating space for new believers, creating comfort that air conditioning would do that. And I told the church, we need to raise, and it was, we want $1.5 million to start the renovations on that thing. This is 800000 for one air conditioner. And uh, so I said, we need to raise $800,000 for this air conditioner. And, and then after the service, a guy came down to me and said, Pastor Mark, you're right. You're exactly, this has got to happen. He says, I would like to pay for the air conditioner myself. And I said, you mean part of it? He says, no, I'll write you out a check for $800,000. And I said, well, that's incredibly generous. He said, look, if we're going to grow, if we're going to reach the next generation, this building's got to be air conditioned. And, uh, and I said, he said, that is one condition. I went, oh, no, not a condition. Oh, okay, what's the condition? He said, you must never tell anybody who paid for this air conditioning unit. He said, it's between you, me, and God. And so we put that air conditioning. It was the beginning of our growth because people would bring their friends, people would come and feel comfortable and the whole thing. So I say that to say that, that people with a generous spirit, and I understand not everybody here can give 800,000. Maybe somebody can, but not most people can't give 800,000. Actually, I'm not jealous of anybody except one person. He's a pastor friend of mine. He's got a church on the Sunshine Coast. And um, four years ago, he got the richest man in our state saved. The richest man in Queensland. Like, well, I went to his, we went to his house. And you know when you, people's houses are beautiful and they're rich? This was ridiculous. He had a one-of-a-kind Corvette Stingray in his living room. <laughs> now, he just, he just got saved, so don't, don't judge him. This is before he got saved. He had it there. And not only did he have, we walked in, I'm looking at this, my gosh, it's in your living room. It was on a lift. They could go down to the garage so he could drive it out. And then he could put another car on and bring it up to his land. He was like, this is ridiculous. 
He gets so radically saved, his life is so transformed that he starts four years now, every year he's given his church $4 million per year. $4 million per year, and he's going to continue to do that. And since he started doing that, his huge business has doubled in size under God. So he says, I can't keep up with the blessings. You would think he would be poorer, but he's not. Wow. I want to tell you, and I'm not saying that. We, God doesn't never ask us to give what we don't have. He always looks at us and says, what will you do with what you do have? That's our question to be involved. But, but a generous spirit, they're looking at the future, go, man, we've got to invest now. Things are happening. God's got to move. We've got to be ready for that. And no one's poorer because they give. They are just more blessed. The future is blessed and the world sees Jesus at a greater level. Our ceilings must be the next generation's floor. It's almost like it's, we sang the song, a thousand generations. It's almost like the church is generation to generation to generation. It's almost like this huge relay race. And every generation gets the opportunity to, to, to pass the baton to the next generation, but in a better, stronger position. And I, I love the scripture in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Look, I want you to read this, like from the context of being a huge arena in heaven. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And what? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's like there's a sense that we've just got the bat on from the generation before and they're saying, now you need to run your race. And we're going to make sure we're not stuck in sin and we run our race with endurance. And when we get to the near the next place, we pass the bat on to the next generation. Generous people see beyond themselves. They see others and they see the future. Getting stronger from one generation to the next. Generous people see possibility. They see opportunity. They see others. They see beyond themselves. So what do they do? They devise generous plans, advancing the kingdom in a purposeful, powerful way. And no one else on the planet will take the responsibility for funding the church except the church. There's no one else. You, this is not like a, a national call, like a, a, a tornado or a hurricane and people give from everywhere. The only people that God has called to fund the kingdom of God are the believers. It's our responsibility to invest into the future. Plan to be godlike today. Be generous. As I started the message, He upholds us by His generous spirit we get to uphold others by our generous spirit. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Lord, I thank You for this great church and I speak knowing that so many of them are so generous already along this journey. I pray that this message helps with their understanding of why and what they do. And I pray those that are on the edge or those that are feeling the tug to be generous, they would trust God with all of their heart and let it be tested and see the outcome. And I pray for extra generosity over this faith, love, hope season that we, that we mark ourselves with. You know what? I, I've been, but I, I, can, I can go a little bit further with God because I want to see the Kingdom come. His will be done in Northern Colorado and beyond. Bless these people, I pray today in Jesus' mighty Name. And all that agreed said, Amen. God bless. Have a great Sunday. Come on.